It says this in Judges 16.21. It says this. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him on grinding grain in the prison. How do you get from being a judge and a chieftain to leading Israel to be able to conquer the Philistines to all of a sudden to this, to where now your eyes, you've been seized and your eyes are gouged out. I don't know about you, but you know, you always protect your eyes, right? When something happens, you know, you always want to protect. Can you imagine having your eyes gouged out? Um, I don't even know what that would feel like. Um, I'm not even sure. I mean, I don't know. That, that would be like horrible, but his eyes were gouged out. And then he was seized, and he put shackles on him, and they put him in prison. I know in 2 Kings, there's a, there's a king there. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and Zedekiah is the king, and, and that happened to Zedekiah. His sons were all killed in front of him, and then they gouged his eyes out and took him to, um, to Babylon to live the rest of his life. I can't even imagine that transpiring. But here is Samson. How did he get? to that very end where he's in prison with his eyes gouged out, and he's now grinding wheat and grain. Can you imagine that? Grinding? That, that is your job all day. You know, it's not sacking groceries. No, it's not moving boxes. It's, it's not with a pencil and paper and calculator. No, you are grinding wheat and grain so that others can eat. You're just sitting here, you're either hooked up to some type of a mechanism on a wheel with a stone or whatever it might be. You're grinding and you're making that stuff for others. Wow. How did he get there? Well, he did something that you call dabbling. You ever dabbled before? I'm not talking about dabbing. Okay, I'm talking about dabbling. Okay, and the guys are like, what was that? Uh, okay, all right. And um, dabbling. What that is is when you're sitting there at the restaurant and your wife has that banana split and she turns her head and you get your spoon, and you just take the whole one side, the strawberry side, you just wipe it out. And she turns around, and you go, what happened? I don't know. I don't know. I just kind of dabbled in that banana split. And so um, let's see. Don't tell me you haven't done that. Like someone does something, you kind of just dabble, you know, or you give a gift, and you have, oh, sorry, there's one chocolate out of it. I had to taste it make sure it was okay, or, or cookies or right, right, or something like that. But, but here is Samson. And, um, and even as I was going through the Word this week, I was looking and searching and just reading just, just for enjoyment. Have you ever read the God's Word just for enjoyment, just to sit down and just relax? I mean, tomorrow's a great day, right? It's a day off of work. Um, I know you're going to labor all day. You're going to do something around the house. You're going to labor. I know. But sit down for the first few hours of the day and just spend some time with Him. I was just going from Genesis, looking through. I was trying to find couples, right, marriages or or people who dated, or what I was looking through there, looking to see how they did with their with their dating and their marriage. I was looking through there and, and reading, and and you know I got to all different ones: Adam and Eve, and Abraham, and, and Isaac, and Jacob, and, and and all the different ones. And I went through there, and, and Moses, and kept going through, and and then I came here to, to Samson, and I stopped because I hadn't read it in a while. And I read it again, and I'm thinking, how did he get down? You know, there is someone that is very interested in your family. And it has a verse in Scripture that says this in John 10.10. Do you know John 10.10? You should know John 10.10. That's a verse that you just put to heart. It says in John 10.10, 10, 
that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have life abundant. We know that, right? John 10, the sheep, the different things there, and, and the things the Lord's talking about. He's the good shepherd. Um, as you go through there, realize that he is the good shepherd and that Jesus is the one who gives his life and lays it down. And, you know, we've talked about the sheep and the shepherd and the different things over the years past. But here it talks about the first part. There's a thief that comes to only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. A matter of fact, as I was going through all those different marriages in Scripture, not every one of them, but it seems like every time you, you met a difficult situation or a difficult time, guess who was in the middle of all that situation and mess? It was the enemy, the devil. That's right. He was in there, and has even said that today in prayer. Richard mentioned it to us. and said that, you know, in this life, you'll have many troubles. And I was like, oh, praise God. But Richard, that was just a, that uplifted me this morning. It was, it was such oh, uplifting. But can you imagine that is right? I mean, you're going to, why is that? Because we are human, and we have someone here who wishes um, that, he that we would all choose his route because he already knows his destiny. He already knows that he will be separated from God for all eternity in hell. He already knows that. And so realizing that, his, his um, um, uh, as far as the things that he does is he steals, he kills, and he destroys. And he wants to do the same thing with your family. So what happens was Samson was he started to dabble in some things, and so as you go back into the story, look at verse, or chapter 16, verse 1. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza. He went there. And later on, in verse 4, it says, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can, can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength. Remember Samson? His strength was in his hair. His, it, uh, when he was a child, an angel came to his mother and said, Do not let his hair ever be cut. Do not let him ever drink wine or fermented drink. Don't let him touch any dead bodies. Um, he used to be a Nazarite for the entirety of his life. So that was what, his hair grew, and his strength was in his hair. The Holy Spirit was within him, giving him strength throughout his life. I mean, there's one time where he got up in the middle of the night, he took the bars of the gates of the city, and he tore them out of the ground, and he carried it to the top of the hill. And plaster top. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't even get 150 pounds up on top of my head, let alone the gates. And I mean, and that guy may not have been any bigger than I was. We always think of him as what? Strong guy, like the guy in the gym that's like, right? No, this guy is just an ordinary guy like me and you, who by the supernatural power of Almighty God, just tore them gates up and took them to the top of the hill. See, that's what God can do through you. See, he can do all things, right, through Christ. We can do all things through Christ. So don't limit God. So here's Samson. He goes in this area. Now here's the first problem. Every time you see in chapter 13, 14, 15, when Samson goes somewhere to visit somebody, guess where he's going? To vineyards. <laughs> Places that have like, like he would go from here, he'd go visit Grapevine. That's what he would do. He'd go visit Grapevine, Texas. Why? Because there's all kinds of grapevines all over the place. He would just go in the city, and here he is. Why is it that when we know our weaknesses, we go to those places where they're going to feed our weakness? We shouldn't be doing that. 
So here's Samson. He knows he's not supposed to be around or be even drinking from in a drink. So he puts himself in the middle of these vineyards, and he's meeting these women, and now he sees one named Delilah. And she is, of course, set up by all these different um, Philistine leaders. There's five different major cities um, in the Philistine. There's sea people. They're along the sea. And these five leaders got together and said, Delilah, would you entice Samson? Would you, would you entice him to find out how is this guy so strong? Because every time he goes out, he'll pick up a, a, a jawbone, donkey bone, and he'll kill a thousand of our guys. Or he'll go out, he'll, he'll grab 300 foxes. Okay, I don't understand this. Okay, how do you get, I can't even catch one fox, okay? My brother killed one fox in Benbrook. It was destroying some dogs and different things. And so he got a scope out and he, he took it out, you know. But, but uh, I can't imagine you go and you grab the foxes and he tied them tail to tail. Okay, have you ever read the Bible? You're thinking, how in the world, you know. So here he is, he ties these foxes together and he puts a torch in between their, their, their tail and these foxes are going crazy. You can imagine, right? The foxes are tied together in this, in this fire, and, and they destroyed all the different wheat and different things and all the grain fields and their vineyards, and they were pretty upset with Samson. They wanted to do what? Take Samson out. But realize the Lord had birthed him and set him up and chose him, and yes, his steps were ordered to go into Philistine territory because God was going to take care of a few things in the Philistine territory. So Samson was there. Delilah's there. She was going to receive about $3,500 for this task to get him to tell her this secret. Can you imagine $3,500 just for figuring figure this out? So she had him in his, her house, and, and she would kind of caress his hair and put him in her lap, and she'd just, you know, say things to him. And, and oh, by the way, Samson, why are you so strong? Isn't this something, guys? When we, when we, we get around, you know, our, our favorite lady, the, 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 our, our precious one, and she wears that perfume or whatever, and, and they, start, they start stroking our hair. We just start melting. I don't, I don't know what it is. We just start melting. I mean, maybe you haven't had that experience, but, you know, we just start melting. It's like, oh, my gosh, yes. And so he knew he wasn't supposed to reveal his secrets, so he kind of just kind of gives some hints. You know, like first he goes, okay, well, if you tied me with to these two new ropes, and uh, then I would be just as, you know, just like any other man. And so she tied him up when he was sleeping there. And then she goes, oh, the Philistines are upon you. He jumps up and he breaks those ropes. And then she cried to him like, oh, oh, you don't love me. You didn't tell me your secret. And then so then they would try something else and try something else. So all the Philistine leaders are like, you know, you're just not finding that. She goes, hey, look, I'm, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. So finally, she just nags him to death day after day after day. And he finally says, you know what? If you just cut my hair off, if you cut it off, you know what I've noticed is that you don't let the enemy know your weaknesses. Don't verbalize them. I truly don't believe that he knows your thoughts. Only the Lord knows your thoughts. So if you verbalize, like I say, you know what? My weak point is, is uh, if you bring a new car right in front of me, I'm just going to buy it right now. I'm just going to buy it. So, you know, don't let him know your weaknesses. Don't vocalize or, or verbalize that to, you, to anyone. And, um, but here is Samson, and he verbalizes his weakness that if you take off my hair, and sure enough, I don't know how she did it, whether she put something in his drink or what, but he is out on her lap. He, I mean, I mean, if someone's touching my head, I'm, I'm waking up. But he, she, they cut the hair off his head. 
don't know where they shaved it. I don't know what shaving means. Doesn't mean they went down to the scalp. Did they just take off the big braids of his hair? Because I mean, he had his hair grown all his life. So they took it off, and he becomes weak. He doesn't know that. The Philistines rush in the room. They're already there anyway. And she hollers out. He jumps up. He thinks he's going to do whatever he does before, and he's weak. And they grab him, and they bind him, they take his eyes out, and they put him in prison. And he didn't even realize, it says in Scripture, if you read it there, that he didn't even realize that the Holy Spirit or the Lord had left him. Now, I don't like that. Do you like that? I don't like that at all. Um, that makes me reflect back to Saul's life. He didn't even realize that what? The Holy Spirit had left him. Then when, when Eli the priest was there and the, the, the ark was captured and then the, the, the sister-in-law had the baby, she named it Ichabod. The glory has departed. I mean, I, I don't understand that. But I do realize this. If you continually do things and continue to dabble in certain things and you can tibble, continue to do certain things that are the Lord does not like, you know, eventually, you know, he turns his head, but eventually he goes, you know what? If that's what you want to do, then I'm just going to leave because evidently you really don't hold me in high regard. So he just what? He leaves. Now, what does that mean? You can interpret it for yourself. All I know is when David said in Psalm 50 or 55, he said, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why would he ever say that? As if he would never leave. Evidently, he will leave. And so here is this enemy that took Samson out. He took him out. Matter of fact, it says in 1 Peter 5 and 8 and 9, it says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. We know that verse. I think I mentioned it in years past about lions. About, let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at some lions and tie that in. Did you know that a lion can get up to 420 pounds? That's a heavy lion. Boy, that's a big cat. That's a huge cat. 265 to 420 pounds they get. They live in groups or prides, so there's 15 lions at, at sometimes in their own little groups or homes. They mark their territory 100 square miles. That's crazy. They, the females hunt while the males sleep. That's great, right? So they finally catch the stuff, and they wake up, and they're the, the males are the first to eat, <laughs> right? Then the females, and then the kids get the last scraps. They can consume 75 pounds of meat in a single meal. <laughs> can you imagine eating 75 pounds of food in one minute? 75 pounds. <laughs> are you kidding me? And then it says... The lion uh, was once found throughout Africa, Asia, and Europe, but now they only exist in Africa with some of few exceptions, so evidently they become a little more extinct. Uh, a lion's roar can be heard as far as five miles away. It can run short distances up to 50 miles per hour and leap as far as 36 feet. Gosh. Right? You better run. No, don't run. We'll see what that is in a second. We'll mention that in a minute. 
Even though the lion is sometimes referred to as the king of the jungle, it actually only lives in grasslands and plains. So how do they get that expression? Maybe some incorrect information associated with the Africa and jungles, etc. So a good gauge of a male lion's age is the darkness of his mane. The darker it is, the older he is. A lion's heels, they don't touch the ground when he's walking. What did I tell you? He's ready to pounce at any second, right? Because on your heels, I'm not really, but if you're like that, you're ready to do what? To pounce. Lions are ready to jump 36 feet in a second. How far is 36 feet? I'm six foot, so that's about six of me. Wow, that's a long, can you imagine? That's huge. A lion may sleep up to 20 hours a day. Sounds like my teenagers at the house. <laughs> 20 hours a day. That's crazy. 20 hours. Point one on lions. They're creatures of the night. They love the night. They do. You know who also is the ruler of darkness and the light and the dark time? It's Satan himself. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I've been out there at night. I've talked about that before, um, out at 3 and 4 in the morning. Um, there's nothing good past midnight. I know we say that we're parents. I get that, right? But there's something about darkness. Lions, they roam and they hunt at night. Roaming. Sounds like the book of Job, doesn't it? where all the angels had to come and check in with Jesus and the God the Father. And, and, they said, and the Father said to Satan, where have you been? And what did Satan say? I've been roaming through the earth. Remember Smith Wigglesworth? He said he woke up one time in the middle of the night. He looked over, and there was Satan. He goes, oh, it's you. I went back to sleep. Now, Satan can only be in one place at a time. But he was roaming. He's seeking for someone to devour. So these lions, they are creatures of the night. You know what we are? We're supposed to be those who walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1 and 7. We are what? Children of the light. You must choose to walk in the light. Number two, dabbling is dangerous. You're flirting and tinkering with and fiddling with. You ever done that? Ever dabbled in something? I remember when I was a kid, I had no idea what it was, but they call it the uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Double D. You ever heard that? D&D? &D. And we were kind of messing with it, playing with it a little bit. Some guy came in that had it, and my dad came in and goes, what are y'all doing? And he knew exactly what it was, and he lost it, you know. Oh, my God. And so um, we were dabbling in it. We had no idea. But what you're doing when you're dabbling is you're opening your spirit to whatever they're doing. That's a dangerous place to be. So lions are intimidated by a group. Did you know that? I did not know that. Lions are intimidated by a group. So lions will run up to a group. And why do they do that? They'll run up to a group. What are they trying to do? trying to get someone to scatter from the group. Have you ever seen on TV? You know, like the, 
they run, and all of a sudden, a hyena or jump off the group. It's all by itself. Then what's it do? What's the lion do? It chases the one that gets scattered, and it takes it out and chews it up. You know what he's trying to do with us as a body? He comes up as close as he can. He tries to scare you, and then he tries to get someone to scatter. And then he goes and he consumes you because he's roaming. As a group, there was, I was reading a book this week, and that said about this, this one famous going out, and they were going out just to see the lions. And the guy, they're inside the big Jeep. They're all sitting there, probably eight or ten of them all in there. And they drove right up into the lions. They literally drove up right into the lion. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And they're just sitting like, oh, no. And they're just like, just, just stay together. Everything's good. The lion doesn't see the single person, all the different people. He sees this huge truck with all these, just, he sees a huge, big old, that's what he sees. But if you jumped out, he said one guy and one thing, and same type of thing, he got out to take pictures real quick, get a little closer, well, he lost his life because he got away from the, the group. You see what happens when you just miss a Sunday or two or three, and that's no problem, go enjoy your family, whatever. you start missing a month and two and three, and Pretty soon you don't go to a small group, and I've got this. I just watch it on TV, and no big deal. I have church at house. And then, okay, that's fine. I understand that. And then pretty soon you're out there all by yourself. And who comes to what? Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. There is strength in numbers. Is there not? There really is. You need to make sure you stay close to the family. Stay close in the group. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Where two, mother and father, and three, the family. You know, wife, sitting over there today, we were getting ready to go to sleep. She goes, you know, she goes, we need to be praying more together. She goes, I know you pray all the time, I pray all the time, but we need to pray more together. And I'm like, you know, you're right, you're right, we do occasionally. But we should do it more. Why is that? Because there's strength in numbers. There's something about grabbing your mate's hand and praying with her. Guys, I encourage you to do that. But you don't know, Pastor James. We just don't have that time. We, we, we literally get in bed. She gets in bed one time, get in bed another time. We're, we're out. I mean, somehow, some way, I don't care what you, if you have to go to her job, you go and you get her and you grab her hand and pray. I don't care if it's just for a minute or two. You'd be amazed at what transpires when two or three pray together. I'm sure scripture is very adamant about that, about how if one can put a thousand to fly, how about two or three? And you can continue to go on through scripture and see how there's strength in numbers. I wish we could just see a little bit of the spiritual realm, what transpires, and what's even transpiring as you walk to your car today. There's angels all around you, and the enemy, do you think the enemy's out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know they're not here. Why? Because we're uplifting Jesus. They don't even want to be anywhere near this. Unless the person comes in and is demon-possessed, well, then that's another situation. But here is the lions being intimidated by a group. Matter of fact, it says to stand your ground. If a lion approaches you, it says don't back up. It says to stand your ground. And if you have like a coat on, open it up to make yourself look bigger than you really are. It'll come up to you, it said. 
Now, it may attack you, but if it comes up to you, it may be sniffing on you. It says it'll urinate at your feet, and then it'll just walk away if you're not intimidated. It's marking its territory. So I thought, oh, that's kind of strange. I wonder, I wonder if there's some tips on that. So I went there this morning, just quick little tips. And it has here, it says, if you encounter a lion, all right, make yourself appear larger by picking up children, leashing pets, standing close to other people, open your jacket, raise your arms. What? I'm going, I am not. That scared me to death. Okay, I've seen a bear down at Yellowstone National Park. I've seen a bear down walking a lot. I'm thinking, okay, I'm pretty good here. But um, I, wild animals, have you? I've been like from here to that glass for the moose. It's not just dinky. That thing is, I'm thinking, boys, back up. They're like, yeah, Dad. Oh, they're like, oh, yeah, get back in the car. Keep walking. Back to the car. Just get out of here. And, and so it says to yell and shout. Bang your walking stick. Well, you better have one. Or your water bottle. Make lots of sound. I don't know. Is it, you think this is going to work? I'm, uh, maintain eye contact. You can apply all these things to the word. Okay? Make a lot of noise. Start quoting scripture. When a situation comes in your family, you start quoting the Bible. Right? You quote that, I don't know much. I don't care. Then get it out then. Get an app. Start reading it. Do something. Do something. My wife has a whole book, and the ladies do too. I think they wrote books years ago of all their favorite scriptures. And they have trouble with fear. There are all these scriptures about fear. And they have trouble with, with this. And they're all these down here. And they had all these books of pages. I say all the time, she, she goes through there, and she starts reading things. There's, there's power in the word. Because when that lion starts roaring and wants to destroy your family, you get up. And you start quoting scripture. Ask for me in my house. Ask for me in my house. We're going to serve the Lord. I, you know, I'm the head, not the tail. And no weapon formed against me will prosper. You just start going through those things, and he just backs up. You keep that eye contact. And no, you just keep, you keep that eye contact. When, they're, when two fighters get in the ring, do they look away like, no, they're, 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 they're going for the, you're, you're going for the kill. Now, I don't look for a fight, okay? But if that enemy comes into my house, if he comes into my house, my neighbor sent me, she's in Puerto Rico to take care of her mom. She sent me a, one of those ring things, you know, picture. She had a guy come to her house twice this week, you know, acting suspicious. So she sent it to me. She goes, have you seen this guy? I said, no. I said, but if he does come to my house, he's going to be trouble. He's a little skinny little guy. I mean, if a big guy, I don't know about that. But, but I'm like, you're going to be in trouble. She goes, oh, yeah, take, take it easy out there. So, you know, you talk the big talk, right? But you know what? If the enemy comes to my house or comes close to my house or comes next to my kids, I'm quoting Scripture. Matter of fact, the reason I picked this one out to talk about this is this. Know your enemy. Guys, get up and pray for your family. Know your enemy. Guys, get up and pray for your family every single day. You plead the blood over them. You plead the blood over your wife. You pray over your home, over your cars, over your job, over you. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. Why? Because that's what keeps the enemy back and away. 
Matter of fact, I've added to my prayers the past few years. And God, even the effects of evil, you know how you throw a rock in the water in the ripples? Evil's out there and things happen and it kind of ripples over to you. No, get away from me. I don't even want the effects of evil. Matter of fact, everywhere I go, there's a Bible somewhere. On my desk at work, there's a Bible. I go to my house on my nightstand, there's a Bible. I go to my chair, there's a Bible. I go to my office, there's a Bible. I go to my truck, there's a Bible. We went down to San Antonio. I got up early about 5 in the morning, went and got on a bike. There was a Y just down the street. I walked in the Y, bam, first thing I saw, right there, front and center, a Bible. Open where I went, oh, I like this place. I like the Y. Come on. I, like, I was like, that's power right there. That's awesome. My bike spun for an hour, walked back out. There's the Word of God. That's good stuff right there. You've got to know this book because the enemy is prowling and your family is depending upon it. Have you ever seen a family that's been devastated because the enemy got in and destroyed it? You maintain eye contact. You assess the situation. Consider whether you may be between the lion and its kittens, prey, or so in other words, you may be in an area like, oh, you may have stepped in like the, the kittens are here and he's there. You're, oh, you're in the wrong spot, right? Oh, didn't realize the kitties are over here and the, and the daddy's over here. So you're in the wrong spot. Sorry, mama. Take care of daddy. Take care of your kids. Doesn't mean to get in your way there. But stand your ground. Maintain eye contact. And if attacked, fight back. <laughs> Protect your neck and your throat. <laughs> People have used rocks, jackets, garden tools, tree tr branches, walking sticks, fanny packs. Fanny pack. That ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? Get away, you know. What did Samson do? When he was going to that to see that one girl, and that lion came out, he grabbed that thing and he tore it apart with his bare hands. What did David do? I killed the lion and the bear. I'm thinking, oh my God, how did he do that? You know what it tells me? Those men, like David, men of prayer. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. We overcome by the blood. It's already done. That's what Richard said this morning. It's already done. We're just walking in it. So, Father, we're overcomers because he's overcomer. Your strength because he is strength. You're victorious because he's victorious. You're covered because he's covered you. Do we really realize what we have? We have the word of God, and we need to pray this word over our family. Man of God, I know I've been on your case now four weeks in a row, but this is your responsibility to get up and pray over your family. Pray over your girlfriend. Pray over your marriage. Pray over your children. Pray over your home. Pray over your job. It's your job to pray and pray and pray. When do I get to stop? When you're dead in the grave. I'm still praying for my boys every morning. And now my prayer time has to get longer because now i got to pray for the grand. I get to pray for the grandbabies. 
Liam gets a hit. Noah gets a hit. Owen gets a hit. One person that came off today and said, the fish of my family goes, ooh, you got yourself a pride. You got a big old, that's a huge family. I said, it's just getting started. There's going to be a whole bunch more than that. I'm going to have to start praying some more, getting up even earlier. You know why you, you, you sleep less when you get older, right? Because you got to get up and pray. You used to need eight, nine hours. Now I only need six. I'm good. Pretty soon I only need four. Let's get up. I can't sleep. You know, I always wake up in the middle of the night. Don't you wake up in the middle of the night? I wake up. I'm wide awake. About four hours into it, I'm going, that's pretty good sleep. Well, I'll sleep a couple more minutes. I'm up. After six hours, I can't sleep anymore. I'm done. So be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion. So what does sober mean? You're in control of your passions. What does vigilant or alert mean? You have a wartime mentality. <laughs> I like that. So how did, how did Samson get to that state? How did he get to where his eyes were gouged out? Because he didn't realize and become aware of his enemy. He was walking right into the trap. Evidently, he wasn't much of a praying man, although the Lord did take care of him. Now, here's a good part of the story. There's a second chance. I've messed up. I haven't prayed. I told the enemy my secrets. They took my hair off. Well, it says in the Word, it says his hair started to grow back. And he was being made sport of by all the Philistines. They brought him out. And they were in the temple there. I don't know if it was Dagon's temple. It was probably their Dagon temple. He brought him out, and there were thousands of people there, over 3,000 plus. And they brought him out to make fun of him. And he's blind. And he told the guy with him, he said, just, can, I, can I feel the pillars where they're at? And he, so he put his hands on the pillars of the temple. And he asked the God, he said, Lord, give me one last bit of strength. You know what he was saying? Father, forgive me. Give me one last push to take out the enemy. You know what the Lord's going to do, right? When you pray, what's he do? I'll forgive you. Matter of fact, I'll give you one more hit because your hair is growing again. And he pushed, and he pushed, and he pushed it down, and he killed more people in that one occasion than he did in his lifetime. Wow. Pretty awesome. His family came, got his body, buried him. And when you look in the New Testament, you scroll through there, Hebrews chapter 11, and there's Samson right in the middle. How did he get it? God's all about second chances. Maybe you haven't been a man of prayer. Maybe you haven't got up and prayed for your family. Maybe you don't realize how vital it is and how the enemy is roaming around seeking to kill your kids. He wants to take your kids out one by one. My job is to get up, train my children, and pray like never before, and pray like never before, and pray like never before, because our kids and our wives depend on it. We must be watching and praying continually, continually, continually for our kids. Matthew 7, 24, we'll, we'll finish with this. Matthew 7, 24, it says this. Therefore, everyone, 
everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Puts them into practice. So you know what you do? Even though that Category 5 hurricane's coming into Florida in the next couple hours, what do you do? You stand your ground. You read the Word. You pray the Word, and you put it into practice. When it says to don't go down to certain areas, you don't go down to certain areas. When it says to love your neighbor as yourself, you love your neighbor as yourself. You apply it to your day. You read it, you go, oh, don't judge someone. Oh, I shouldn't judge. I shouldn't, I shouldn't look at them and think, oh, that useless piece of work. No, you, 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 God, it's God's creation. Thank the Lord for that. You do what the Word of God says to do, and you honor His Word, and you pray like never before. Love your wife. Spend time with your kids. You read the Word. You pray the Word. 